And as you're being seated, I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Our God is an awesome God. Tell your neighbor, our God is an awesome God. He is an awesome God, and I want us to dive into our study through Galatians that we have been in over these last months and weeks titled Faith, Freedom, and Family. Paul's focus in chapters 1 and 2 of Galatians is faith. Paul's focus in chapters 3 and 4 in Galatians is freedom. Paul's focus in chapter 5 and 6 is family. We are family, brothers and sisters, by faith in Jesus. And so as we jump back in real quick, look at chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Jesus has set us free from sin, Satan, death, and the law. Since we are free in Jesus, we are to stand firm in our faith in Jesus. We're not to go backwards spiritually. Paul is saying, don't go back to thinking you can get to God by being a good person. Don't go back to thinking you can get to God by doing good works for God. The teaching, the belief in salvation by works is a yoke of slavery. It enslaves people to trying to get to God by their works for God, which is impossible because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why Paul made it clear he did not set himself free You and I have not set ourselves free. Christ Jesus set us free. We are free in Jesus. God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to earth to rescue us from our sins. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. Jesus died on the cross in our place, paying the price for our sin. He was buried in the tomb, and on the third day, Jesus rose again, victorious over sin and death for you and for me. We receive forgiveness of sins, and we are able to enter into a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Jesus, not by our works for Jesus. That's what Paul was saying here in verse 1. Jump down to verse 7. Paul said, you were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? You were running the Christian life well, he said, at first. At first, you were doing great in this race of the Christian life. You were growing in your faith in Jesus. You were living out your faith in Jesus. You heard, believed in, and received the good news of the gospel. He said, who cut in on you? and kept you from obeying the truth. Who got in your way spiritually and stopped you from running well? And then he went ahead and helped them out with the answer, and he said, it was the false teachers. The false teachers got in your way spiritually, he's telling these believers. The false teachers said, you have to do works like circumcision in order to earn a relationship with God. In other words, faith in Jesus isn't enough for salvation. Paul knew this was wrong. These believers knew this was wrong. We know this is wrong today. Scripture tells us, for by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works. Say that with me. Not by works. One more time. Not by works so that no one can boast. Not saved by works, by grace through faith in Jesus. Paul then continued, and he said, I have confidence in the Lord that you will not accept any other view. Paul encouraged these believers, and he basically told them, I have confidence in God that he is ultimately going to lead you away from the false teachers and the false teaching, and he's going to lead you back to his truth. Paul said, I'm confident of this. That's why Paul continued ministering to them, loving them, encouraging them. 
And now we get to verse 13 where we're going to dive in this morning for what God has for us over these next moments together. Paul said in verse 13, For you were called to be free brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Paul, notice, told these believers they were his brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus whom he loved. So he reminds them of his love for them. He tells them that they were called to be free. They were called by God to salvation to be free in Jesus. They were free from doing works to try to get to God. They were free from being circumcised in order to get to God. They were free from legalism and trying to earn God's approval and acceptance by rigidly following a spiritual list of do's and don'ts. They were free from listening to and following the false teachers. They were free from the mastery and controlling power of sin. Paul reminded them here immediately when God saved them, he placed his Holy Spirit in them. The Holy Spirit lived in them and he lives in us. The Holy Spirit empowered them and the Holy Spirit empowers us to live for Jesus, to love like Jesus. The Holy Spirit taught them the word of God. The Holy Spirit empowered them to live out the word of God and he teaches us the word of God and empowers us to live out the word of God. He's reminding them, guys, you have been set free in Jesus. You were called to be free, he said, brothers and sisters. And then he says, Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. He then begins to share with them and us the true purpose of our freedom in Jesus. He says, don't use this as an opportunity. Let's look at that word opportunity. It's a military term. Opportunity literally means a base of operations. It means a location, a site from which to attack. He said, don't use the opportunity for the flesh. Flesh means our old sinful flesh that those saved by grace we still battle with because our fleshly sinful desires wage war inside us. They seek to control us and lead us away from God. So he's saying here, you were called to be free in Jesus. He's saying don't use your freedom in Jesus as a base of operations to live how you want to live. Don't use your freedom in Jesus as a launching pad into sin and selfishness. He's saying, don't use your freedom in Jesus as a license to hurt, take advantage of, or use others. He's telling them, you are free in Jesus from the power of sin, not to sin. We are free in Jesus from the power of sin, not to sin. Paul was telling them they were free in Jesus to live for Jesus, and we too are free in Jesus to live for Jesus as well. And so he's getting them prepared. He's saying, don't use your freedom in Jesus in a negative way for sin, for self. He says, no. He says, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but here it is, serve one another through love. He says, but serve one another. Notice, serve one another is a present active imperative. That means it's a daily command that we're to obey every day all through the day. The true purpose of our freedom in Jesus is to serve. Our freedom in Jesus is a freedom to serve, not sin. Our freedom in Jesus is a freedom to give, not get. 
Our freedom in Jesus is a freedom to selflessness, not selfishness. That's what he's saying here. He's saying get ready and serve one another through love. This makes sense to us as followers of Jesus because as we know in the Gospels, Jesus actually told us, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give my life as a ransom for many. The many include you and me. So as Christ followers, we follow Christ. He served, we serve. Serve literally means when he said, serve one another. He's commanding us to serve one another. So here's what he's commanding us to do. Get ready for this. Serve means to bless, to minister to, to give ourselves away. If you're taking notes, write that down because that's important. To serve means to bless, to minister to, to give ourselves away. Since we are free in Jesus, we are, what Paul is saying, to look for opportunities to serve, bless, minister to, and give ourselves away to one another. So serve one another. One another means one another. One another means your brothers and sisters in Christ. Get a hold of this. Up to this point in our teaching through Galatians, up to this point, starting in chapter 1, verse 1, as we've gone all the way through, up to this point, Paul's teaching has been focused on the truth we need to know. All been focused on the truth we need to know, and he's been downloading God's truth to us. In verse 13, we see Paul's shift. And it's happening in verse 13, and it's going to continue from this point forward. Beginning of verse 13, Paul is now going to teach us and focus on the truth we need to show. The truth we need to show. Here's the point. We grow in Jesus so that we can show Jesus. We're growing our faith in Jesus so we can show our faith in Jesus. If you really want to get it accurate, we know Jesus and grow in Jesus to show Jesus. No grow show. No grow show. That's the, that's the theme. That's the line of succession. Know Jesus, grow in Jesus, show Jesus. And so here it makes sense. The first target, get this now, don't miss this, the first target of our service, the first target of our blessing minister to, to and, and giving ourselves away, the first target is one another. It's one another. That's our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at the one that's right next to you right now. Look into their eyes real quick. That's your target. That's your target. We are to bless, pour into, minister to, serve, give ourselves away to one another first. It has to happen first in the family. It has to happen first in the marriage. 
It's not going to happen with the kids if it's not happening with the marriage. It's to happen with the kids. If it's not happening with the marriage and the kids, it's not going to happen with the friends. If it's happening with the kids, it's going to happen with the friends. You see how this works. It starts with one another. So right now, the Holy Spirit's obviously going to lead and ask us a question. How are you doing giving yourself away to the one sitting next to you? How are you doing giving yourself away to your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus? Here's what Paul is wanting us to understand, and I love how he brings this out. He wants these believers to understand, and he wants us to understand too. Obviously, God's speaking through him by his Holy Spirit, so it's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to understand this. He wants us to be known by what we do, not just by what we don't do. People know, the world knows a lot about what we don't do. And they got all kinds of problems with that. And we can understand why, because they're not part of the family of God at that point yet. What Paul is trying to get through to us is we are also to be known by what we do. Not just by what we don't do. I want to be known, quite honestly, whole lot more by what I do than what I don't do. One of the reasons, think about it, one of the reasons why we minister so faithfully in our community through our different ministries, in particular, let's just use our dollar day ministry. You know why we do that? The reason is simple. We want to be known by those in our community, by what we do. Whether they ever come in to this building or not. We want to be known in this community by how we bless, how we serve, how we love, how we minister, how we pour ourselves out. It's my desire that people in this community, they may be involved actively serving in another church. Praise God if they are. But my hope and desire and prayer is when they hear about Crossroads, they go to themselves somehow, somewhere, oh, yeah, that's that church that's always serving, that shows up everywhere, it seems like, that's always bringing food to the school, that's always blessing people. Yeah, that's us. Now, we understand and realize that all that we do and all that we don't do is important. What we are known for and what we do and what we are known for and what we don't do is always tied to the scriptures. So we're not apologizing. I'm not apologizing for what I don't do. Because the reason why I don't do what I don't do is because God said don't do what I don't do. The reason why I do what I do is to try to make sure that I'm doing what God has said to do. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, if this is going to work, all this teaching I've given to you up to this point, here's how this is going to all now flesh out. you got all this stuff in your mind now. You know all this truth. You've talked, I've talked about your faith, and I've talked about your freedom. Now I need you to get involved in your family. Now I need you to give yourself away. You see, I want to be also 
known in my family as a giver. I don't ever want to be a taker. My goal is to outserve. What I did yesterday, today. Whatever I do today, I'm going to outserve it tomorrow. That's what Paul talked about just being a, a poured out drink offering as a sacrifice of praise to the one who literally gave himself away for us. You see, he's worthy. Of our service because he performed the ultimate service for us. And so this is where Paul's instruction really starts to, to hit us right where we live in our families. Real quick, three points about this instruction from Paul. Number one, Paul's instruction is personal. He's talking to his brothers and sisters in Christ. That includes you and me. You and I have a responsibility to one another. It's personal. Taking notes, that means you and I have a responsibility to one another. It's a personal thing between us. We're family. We have a responsibility to one another. Secondly, Paul's instruction is practical. Our responsibility to one another is to serve, bless, minister to, and give ourselves away to one another. We are free in Jesus to give, not to get. Now, we receive the getting when it happens, but we're focused on giving. And we get practical in serving one another. Just a few practical ways. I can give you just a few practical ways to serve one another. To serve the one that's sitting right next to you. To make sure that this is happening in the nearest and dearest of your family. And then extending out to your church family. And your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then your friends outside of that. And all those that God brings your way. Including those who don't yet have a relationship with Christ. Because this serving helps them to draw near to Christ. A couple of ways to serve one another is we serve one another as we encourage one another. We serve one another as we listen to one another. And we serve one another, quite honestly, as we meet one another's needs. Whatever those needs may be. For our husband, our wife, our kids, our families, our friends. Whatever those needs may be. We we serve one another as we meet one another's needs, as we have opportunity and as we're made aware of those needs. And in third, Paul's instruction is powerful. You know this as well as I do. Nothing is powerful in our lives until it's personal and practical. There's nothing that's powerful in your life that's not personal and practical. That's the way it works. And Paul's instruction is powerful. Well, how do we know? Well, serving one another is powerful because as we serve, we are blessed. Serving one another is powerful because as we serve, we are a blessing. Serving one another is powerful because as we serve one another, we imitate Jesus. That's powerful. When we get an opportunity to imitate Jesus, let me tell you, that's a powerful blessing for us as followers of Jesus. And he said, serve one another, and then he gives us a context through love. So here's how it works. Our service to one another is not to be in a grudging manner. It's not to be, I can't believe I've got to do this for you. You got so many needs, I can't meet them all. I wish you would take care of some of your needs, and I'll try to meet one or two of needs. No, 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 no. We serve one another through love. The more needs, the more service. Let's go. Bring it. Bring it. And how do we do that? It's through love. That service is through love. Not our love. He's not saying our love. Notice the word there translated love is agape love. Our service to one another is through 
God's love in us. So here we get, and we're going to hit this next week and moving forward, we get to hear a big emphasis on where to walk in the Spirit, where to walk by the Spirit, not the flesh. You see, God has saved us and placed his Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit fills us with God's agape love. Agape love means selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love. It is a love that gives and gives and gives and gives and never stops giving. It's the love that gives and gives whether it's received or returned properly. It's literally a love that cannot be stopped because God's love has not ever been stopped and it will not be stopped. And so we know that his love in us cannot be stopped by those around us. And so this agape love, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, it's the love that God has for you and for me. It's the love the Holy Spirit produces in us, and it's the love the Holy Spirit wants to flow out of us onto one another. It's this agape love. And so when he says, serve one another through love, that is a supernatural call, not a natural call. Understand that that's supernatural, not natural, meaning we have to walk by the Spirit, not the flesh, in order to fulfill it. Because what happens is if we're trying to serve one another, meet one of those needs, if we're trying to give ourselves away to one another in our strength, it's not going to last very long. It's not going to go very well. It's really going to end pretty quick. There's not going to be a whole lot of love mixed in on the service. And so the ministry won't be received by the one that we're supposed to be serving through love. As we rely on God, as we walk by the Spirit, not the flesh, He empowers us by His love in us. It overflows through serving one another. And He shares this connector. Look at verse 14. Perfect transition. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law is fulfilled in one statement love your neighbor as yourself. What Paul is saying here is this is radical. To these false teachers, he's saying in these believers, he's saying that our freedom in Jesus doesn't turn us away from the law. Our freedom in Jesus helps us fulfill the law. The false teachers taught these believers the law says do. Paul now teaches these believers that the law says love. Love. And Paul's getting ready to share. We're going to look at another passage real quickly, but here's what Paul's getting ready to share. The Old Testament law in the Old Testament, the first five books of the Old Testament, the pinnacle of the Old Testament law is what? The Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments call us to love. The Ten Commandments are all about love. The first four commandments call us and tell us how to love God. Look them up. The second six commandments of the Ten Commandments call us and direct us on how to love one another. It's all about love. The law that they've been saying is about doing works. Paul is saying, you guys don't even get it. The law is about love. Jesus answered, get this now, remember, you know this, the expert in the law. Ooh, Mr. Scribe. The expert in the law comes up to Jesus one day. What's the greatest commandment in all the law? In other words, he says, summarize the law for me, Jesus, if you can. Jesus said, the greatest commandment in all the law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. He said, love. Love. Paul echoed these words from the Old Testament 
and from Jesus to these believers to wake them up. He says here in verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. That's awesome. If you turn to your left real quick to Romans chapter 13, I want you to look at this real quick. Romans chapter 13, this is an amazing passage, and we won't labor too long on this, but I want us to look at it because it supplements what Paul said here. It gives, he expounds, Paul expounds on verse 14 uh, in Galatians chapter 5 in Romans chapter 13. I'm going to read it in verse 8. Paul wrote these words, do not owe anything to anyone except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Look at this. The commandments do not commit adultery. Here we go, 10 commandments. Do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and any other commandment are summed up by this commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Are you kidding? Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Paul said, love is the fulfillment of the law. Paul took the Mosaic law, which these false teachers emphasized and highlighted and put up on a pedestal, and Paul now takes the Mosaic law that they have been focusing in on, and he says the way the Mosaic law is fulfilled is how we love, not by what we do. He's blowing up their argument as if he hadn't already, he's completely shattering it. Now he's saying, we're to serve one another through love and we're to love our neighbors ourselves. One of the ways we serve one another through love is by speaking God's truth to one another in love. Paul talked a lot about this. One of the ways we serve one another through love, and this is very important for today for you and for me. One of the ways we serve one another through love is by speaking God's truth to one another in love. Well, when we're going to do that, then we've got we to look at a couple things and just walk with me for just a moment. We know if we're going to speak God's truth in love to one another, we know that love does not delight in evil. Love rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. We know this. 1 Corinthians 13. Love delights in what is right. 1 Corinthians 13. That means, therefore, love calls us to stand against sin. If love delights in what is right, if love does not rejoice in evil, rejoices with the truth, therefore love calls us to stand against sin. In, in God's strength, obviously, for his glory. Calls us to, to stand against sin. Well, this reminds us, especially today, of what this actually means. This means if we're going to stand against sin, if we're going to serve one another through love, speak God's truth in love to one another, it means we're not going to adopt the ways of the world. It means we're not going to argue based on the ways of the world. It means we're not going to argue with the ways of the world. And it means we're not going to follow the ways of the world. We've got to be careful because there's a war going on. It's a spiritual warfare. And it's raging. And so this is important for us because 
We're to serve one another through love by speaking God's truth to one another in love. Love calls us to stand against sin. So we know, for example, and I obviously can't give you a list, although we're going to get to a pretty nasty list next week probably in our passage to come. Love, for example, calls us to stand against racism. Why? Because Scripture is clear. God created each one of us in his image. God gave us the color of our skin, and he didn't make a mistake. Red and yellow, black, brown, and white, we are all precious in his sight. So in any and every way, there is no argument. We stand against racism. Love calls us to stand against the sin of racism. Love calls us to stand against the sin of abortion. Why? Because Scripture is clear. God is the creator and giver of life. Life begins at conception. Scripture tells us that God knew the number of our days before we even came to be. And he knit us together in our mother's womb. God doesn't make mistakes. A side note in this regard, these are issues that we see on a day-by-day basis in our culture today. We need to be on the right side, which is God's side. Supreme Court has agreed to hear a case coming up at the beginning of December from the state of Mississippi that could lead to Roe versus Wade being overturned, and it could lead to the protection of all unborn children. We know that love calls us to stand against sin, but you know what? Love calls us to stand against sin in the grace and the confidence and the peace and the joy and the mercy with the forgiveness of God that he has granted to us. Love doesn't call us to stand against sin and anger and pointing fingers and yelling at people and calling people names. No, 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 no. There's forgiveness and there's mercy for all those who have struggled with racism, for all those who have struggled with abortion, for those who have had issues in their past. There's forgiveness at the foot of the cross for all of us. There's grace for all of us. There's healing for all of us. And quite honestly, we're all in desperate need of it. Myself, most of all, needing that grace and forgiveness and mercy of God. It's all there at the cross. And so we stand against sin with grace and love and confidence in the Lord. That's what he calls us to do. And we know that when Jesus taught us to pray, we're to pray, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, your what? will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we can pray in any and all these circumstances, for any and all these cases, for any and all these battles that we see going on in the spiritual warfare, we can pray, God, what we want is, quite honestly, it's real simple. We want your will to be done on earth in this situation as it is in heaven. Because God, we know that's best for us and all those around us. You see, love wants what is best for one another, and love always does what is best for one another. And he 
shares with us here in verse 14, he says that we're to, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, one of the main ways we love ourselves, and we won't labor on this, but one of the main ways we love ourselves on a day-by-day basis is by caring for ourselves. Now, some of you may have a different standard of care than others, um, but we all love ourselves enough to care for ourselves. So what does that mean? Well, loving your neighbor as yourself means caring for your neighbor. Caring for him. That's one of the ways we love him. We care for him. Whatever way the Holy Spirit leads, we care for him. And then he continues in, in verse 15. He gives us this unique warning. I love this. He says, but if you dev- bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. Now this kind of like a curveball out of left field. What on earth? What on earth? But if you bite and devour one another, see what was going on here in these churches? These believers were not serving one another through love. They were not loving their neighbor as their self. Whether it was because of the false teachers and their influence of leading them away from God and the truth of God's word, or whether it was their own sinful desires that they had given into, Paul warned them because something wasn't right. These believers in this church These churches were off. Paul used the term bite and devour, which described what wild animals do to one another and cats and dogs do to one another. Not a great picture. What was happening is this, and here's Paul's point. If we as the body of Christ do not serve and love one another, we can end up over time biting, devouring, and consuming one another which is exactly what our enemy Satan wants, and it destroys our relationships, and oh, by the way, it also destroys our witness for Jesus Christ. Praise God, I rejoice today, I stand before you rejoicing in the Lord that that is not happening in this church family. That this church family is focused on serving and loving one another instead of biting, devouring, and consuming one another. But here's what we need to make sure that we do. Watch out! Watch out! We need to stay alert to make sure that we continue to serve and love one another and that we don't get caught off guard and led into biting, devouring, consuming one another. And just speaking honestly today, that means watch out on social media. There's nothing worse than a bunch of Christ followers biting, devouring, and consuming one another on social media. Nothing worse. Watch out. There wasn't social media at this point in time in Paul's day, so I'm sure he'd had a lot of colorful things to say if there would have been. I would have loved to have heard that. But, again, social media is not all bad. It's not all bad. It's, it's, it's great. Just watch out. Watch out. In person, in the home, with the family, online, watch out. Serve and love. Do not bite, devour, and consume. So what's our application today? Yeah, I guess I, I guarantee you can get it. You can guess it right here. We're going to be talking about this a lot over the next few weeks. Our application, what we take away today, what God wants for us today in this week is serve and love one another. Serve and love one another. 
This call to serve and love one another is supernatural, not natural. We serve and love one another in God's strength, not ours. We serve and love one another with God's wisdom, not ours. We serve and love one another by God's grace, not ours. We serve and love one another by God's spirit, not ours. Listen, the reason why this was going on in this church, these believers were not serving and loving one another. Instead, they were biting, devouring, and consuming one another because they were out of fellowship with God. They had drifted away from God, and because they had drifted away from God, they were pulling away from one another. They were out of fellowship with God. And we know this today. You know this. I'm sure you give testimony to this. If we're out of fellowship with Jesus, we're going to be out of fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. You cannot say, I am in fellowship with God and I love God, while at the same point in time being out of fellowship with your family, your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. That doesn't work. Nice try, but it doesn't work. If we're out of fellowship with God, we're going to be out of fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus because we're walking in the flesh, not the spirit at that point. And so we understand again and realize faith working itself through love, serving one another through love, loving your neighbor as yourself, all of these encouragements, all of these commands that Paul's sharing that we're going to continue looking at and we're going to take them apart bit by bit over the next few weeks, all of these point back to how we must walk by the Spirit, not the flesh. As we walk by the Spirit, as we confess our sins to God on a day-by-day basis, as we humble ourselves before God, as we walk in dependence on God, as we walk by the Spirit, we will not carry out the desires of our sinful flesh. We will not bite, devour, and consume one another. No, we will serve and love one another. You see, serving and loving one another protects our unity in Jesus. Serving and loving one another blesses us in Christ Jesus. Serving and loving one another increases our witness for Jesus. It highlights our witness for Jesus. One of my favorite little stories is of mom and her two sons, Kevin, who's five, and Ryan, who's three. They're at home one morning, and the mom is making pancakes for breakfast. And her five-year-old boy, Kevin, and Ryan, three-year-old, are sitting there at the table. And mom's over fixing the pancakes, and they're arguing. I know you can't imagine that, two young boys arguing. They're arguing. They're arguing about who gets the first pancake. And they're yelling back and forth at one another, arguing, arguing, arguing about who gets the first pancake, who's going to be able to get mom's first pancake. And mom had enough. She said, I'm going to teach a biblical truth to these boys. I'm going to drop God's word on their heads. And she said, boys, she said, if Jesus were here right now, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I'll wait. She stood there and looked at him. And after a minute, Kevin, the five-year-old, looked at his brother Ryan, three-year-old, and he said, Ryan, he said, you be Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that good? Isn't that good? <laughs> you be Jesus. Serving and loving one another. Here it is in a sentence. Serving and one, loving one another allows us to be Jesus 
by this, all people will know you are my disciples, Jesus said, if you have love for one another. Love is our ID card as followers of Jesus Christ. And our love for God is expressed through our service to one another. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. So the question real simple, how are you doing? How are you doing when it comes to serving and loving one another? How are you doing when it comes to giving yourself away to those who are closest to you? Is there forgiveness you need to seek from God? Is there forgiveness you need to seek from a family member, a loved one? Is there forgiveness you need to show to a family member, a loved one who may have hurt you by something they said or did? And God's making it clear that desire and strength to serve and love is going to be unlocked when you get this forgiveness settled by seeking it, showing it, or maybe even both. The altar is open as it always is for you to come and kneel and do business with God. Our pastors, ministers will be standing here at the front. They'd love to pray with you, pray over you. Bless you if you have a need, care, concern. They'd love to join with you in prayer. Maybe what God's speaking to you right now is he's, he's sharing with you the target that he by his spirit is impressing on you and in you who he wants you to serve and love. Maybe it's this week, maybe it's today, maybe it's right now. Maybe there's someone who God is asking you to go to them and to serve and love them by encouraging them, by blessing them, by praying over them, by praying with them, praying for them, by just speaking an encouraging word to them. God calls us to serve and love one another because that allows us to be Jesus to one another. And listen, this all makes sense through a relationship with God by His grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. If you've never received this gift of salvation that God is extending to you by His grace once again, you see, you've done nothing to earn this gift of salvation. And God's brought you here and He's shared this with you once again. This is His grace at work in your life here in person, online. He's offering this gift once again by his grace to you and, and what he desires is for you to just simply respond in the strength that he's giving you to confess your sins to him. To believe in Jesus, that he is your savior. And to place your faith and trust in him to turn from your sin and confess it to God and to turn to the Savior Jesus for that new life, abundant life, and eternal life that is found only in Jesus. We would love to encourage you and help you place your faith in Jesus this morning. God is speaking. Let's respond in obedience to him as we stand and worship him together. Let's stand and worship.